What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and I am joined by, well, if they were in the WWE, they'd be the M&M tag team. It's Mike and Megan are joining me again to don the cape and cowl, rubber nipples and uh, latex pants, whatever it is that Joel Schumacher wants to clad his bat figures in. We are continuing the Batman retrospective. Um, first and foremost, guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know I put you through Batman 66, um, but I feel that with Batman and Robin being in this little arch, uh, it's kind of worse. So I will apologize up front. Um, yeah, it is uh, definitely. At least Batman 66 kind of knows how silly it is, so you can laugh with them rather than from a distance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm never entirely sure if, like, you know, Clooney or Arnie or ever know, completely know what film they're in. <laughs> um, but but this episode we are we've got three more films we're going to cover. We are going to cover Mask of the Phantasm, which was obviously an extension of the uh, Bruce Tim Universe animated series, Batman Forever from 1995, um, and Batman and Robin from 1997. So just before we get into the really good stuff, which we'll get into the Nolan verse at some point, you know, in the future. But those three. So just before we get into the film by film, and Megan, especially for you, because I know that you're uh, exposure to these is, is sort of is minimal really what are your overall yeah. thoughts of, of what I've just put you through uh, I I got bored a lot that's <laughs> what happened uh, I, I the, uh, what's it called Mask of the Phantasm I thought yeah. it was alright I, did, I didn't hate that one um, <laughs> I did think it dragged a little bit but I did enjoy it and then then what was the other one called uh, it was Forever Batman Forever which was one with Tommy Lee Jones in. Oh yeah, that uh, film Jim annoyed Carrey. me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just found that the joke. No, it wasn't even the Joker. That Two. Was the that's the problem. So Two Face and the Riddler were just trying to out crazy each other yes. for the majority of the film, and I didn't really understand Two Face's character because he's not supposed to be like split personality, and he just seemed to be playing as the Joker. Mm. Um, and then Batman and Robin sucked. <laughs> yeah. I hate it. <laughs> we yeah. finished that earlier. We finished it like all of like 45 minutes ago. <laughs> um, it took me a couple of attempts to be perfectly honest. Yeah. It's, hard. it's hard watching. I can't, it is, it's one of those films where I, 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 I loathe that film. I, I really hate it. I think there's so much wrong with it. But yeah, like 20 minutes in and I'm like, I, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> I need to stop. I need it to got, break it, this up. Yeah, it got to half an hour and I was just like, there's still an hour and a half of this film left and I don't understand how it's only been half an hour. We yeah. paused it for dinner, didn't we? And then yeah. we paused it and you were like, you looked at you like, is this only halfway through? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is one of those films, I think the same with Batman Forever as well. When you look at the runtime and you're like, these films are just over two hours. 
the credit scenes must be incredibly long because I can't see how the story lasts two hours. <laughs> yeah, I thought Batman Forever dragged as well. They both get to that point at about an hour 15 and you're like, okay, I'm ready for this to sort of wrap up. And then it's like, and the third act. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in Batman Forever, no. No, don't worry. Ignore me. I'm getting it confused. With the key I was ones. getting it. No, I was getting it confused with the mask of the phantasm because I found the same thing happened there. Because I mean, the Joker didn't turn up until like really, really far into it. And I it was like, oh, it does take oh, a while. Okay. <laughs> I found I enjoyed Mask of Phantasm, but I did think it took a little while to kind of really get into Do things. You? Yeah. Well, let's get into Mask of the Phantasm actually because we'll, we'll mm. save our Schumacher love for, for when we get to those. <laughs> Um, but Mask of the Phantasm, 1993, uh, you know, Batman voiced by Kevin Conroy, uh, Joker voiced by uh, Mark Hamill. They're mm. really the only two of worth of note, to be honest. Uh, uh, created and directed by Bruce Timm, uh, and an extension of the Batman, the animated series that came out uh, two years before this, 1991. And um, had you ever seen, have you ever seen any of the animated series or... Um, I'd seen bits of them when I was younger because my mm. brother used to watch them, but I can't remember them well enough. I remember seeing the like animation for it. So I, mm. I was born in Italy. Um, so I don't know if it's a program that my brother watched when we were living in Italy or whether we were living in England is how hazy it is. Um, but I definitely have seen bits of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm more or less the same. I've probably seen more than you. I had that period of, of time in my life uh, when I was younger where I would watch all of the animated shows on places like Cartoon Network and all that mm. sort of spanning area. And there was always, I think it was like Two Natics or something like that, where it would play like Dragon Ball Z and then the sort of more darker, in a quote, sort of cartoons, that sort of thing. So I, I remember that in X-Men, the animated series, and I think the Spider-Man one as well. Yes. All those sort of 19 eras cartoons. I've seen... Biker Men from Mars was another one. Biker Mice from Mars. Mars. I used to love yeah. that. Bi game. Mice, yeah. Biker Mice from Mars. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I've se I've seen bits and pieces of uh, the animated series, but uh, and I, I've heard I've seen the Mark Hamill Joker a few times, but I haven't yeah. seen any episodes I could really note specifically. Okay, yeah, because it's interesting because it's sort of for a generation, um, you know, my you know, sort of like you know, ten years older than you guys, really, I suppose. It does. It sort of forms that sort of entry point because you'd had like Batman '89, and then you sort of had uh, you were you know waiting, and you knew that sort of Batman uh, Returns was coming. And then all of a sudden they give you this this animated show. So it came in, I think, late ninety one, early ninety two. It came about, and um, it, you know it was just very very different. You know, it sort of it maintained this sort of more serious tone um, for Batman. The animation was, is, I love the animation style for it, um, and it was just so different. And as you say, sort of like you'd had like the X Men animated series and Spider Man, or the Fantastic Four one. Um, and all those and uh, so for me yeah so i actually went to see this in the cinema <laughs> oh really uh, mask of the phantasm yeah mask of the phantasm had a sort of a limited cinema release mm. um a bit like you even probably before you were born but like transformers the movie in, in 86 had like a you know was there sort of like venture into the sort of theatrics this was the same thing mm. it was sort of like well we've got a bit more time before um the next batman film comes out which is Batman forever so let's put it in cinema we'll do something because this, this could have easily been, when you watch it back now, this could have easily been like a two-parter mm. in, in, in a series. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, interesting, was that, because obviously I know it comes after the animated series, but is it is it the final thing or is there more movies or more content for the animated series after this? No, no, and to be honest, there's very little sort of like canon, as it were, 
for the animated series. It was very much sort of um, designed to be any episode can be entry point. I mean, there's some there's some two parters. Mm-hmm. Uh, ironically enough, Two Face gets the first two parter, I believe. Yeah. Um, uh, um, and so you couldn't, you know, you could watch those, but they were they were designed for you really to be like one and done. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. okay, this week Batman's up against Man Bat, or this week is up against the Joker, or uh, you know, King uh, Killer Croc, or whoever. Um, and there was very little sort of like, you know, all right, well, I'm watching one from season three. Do I have to go back and watch all of season two first? You're like, well, not really. <laughs> no, just, fair enough. <laughs> it was it was before animation got to that point of, I think Clone Wars is really one of the first things that ever did that. Mm, where it introduced things into a canon where you're like, well, you really have to have watched this to understand this and you know to move on to that. This yeah. isn't that really. Um, <laughs> the one thing this does do, which was unusual, um, and sort of like obviously we watched Batman eighty nine, that gave the Joker an origin. Uh, and so did this. And I was I'd for, sort of slightly forgotten that because it's been a little while since I watched Master of the Phantasm. So for it to give Joker an origin story again was was unusual. I don't realise that. Mm. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I have to admit, I really I really enjoy this. Kevin Conroy is like you know they sort of um, especially for you, Mike. You know when you're reading the the sort of the Star Wars comics and stuff. I assume that when you, certain characters you read and you hear that voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for me, whenever I read Batman, any Batman thing like Kevin Conroy's voice as as this '90s Batman is what I hear. Um, mm. And obviously he came through, did all the Dark Knight, you know, the um, Arkham Asylum games and all that sort of stuff. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I think Mark Hamill did the Joker for those games as well. He did. He? Yeah, because yes. I've played uh, Asylum and City. Yeah. So yeah, for this, from a story point of view, as you say, it's, the story, it's quite a simple story. Batman is implicated in the murder of a series of mob bosses. Uh, but what we find out is it isn't him. It's a character called the Phantasm, a new vigilante that's come to Gotham. And uh, he's on a reign of vengeance. Um, I'm, I'm going to spoil it. Spoilers for all these reviews. It's a 30-year-old <laughs> animated film. Uh, we find out that the Phantasm is, in fact, uh, a past uh, lover of Bruce Wayne, uh, who has come back to take vengeance for the death of her father uh, and his involvement in the mob. Um, and it sort of then ties in the Joker, because I think they realised that we needed a Batman villain to appear in it. <laughs> yeah i got halfway through it and you're like that's why it's so late the funny thing is is that i was like because i when when we were trying to find when we were getting the movie up to watch it it came up with mark hamill's name as the joker so i knew that the joker was going to be in it because it was associated with the film yeah um and it was funny because i was like isn't isn't the joker in this film like he was like (laughs) i don't know and then i was like i'm pretty sure he is because it said it on on the internet and then literally like two seconds after that the joker appeared and i was like (laughs) i predicted it but it's surprising that he hasn't been in this in this film yet because this is quite far into it yeah because i I knew he appeared in the animated series and whatnot and i knew mark hamill uh, was a joker quite a lot but i didn't spot mark hamill's name being in it and i specifically didn't look anything up uh to Mm. this this is the this is the main one i was going in blind i i have seen Forever and Batman and Robin at some point in my life, but I've, I'd never seen Mask of the Phantasm. I was w- when we watched it. I was pretty certain to you. I think I said that I think this is um, like at some part of the animated series. I thought it was near at the end or something. Yeah. Because um, I recognised the Joker Hamill, but yeah, it's it, it is. I I did enjoy it. I will say I, I did enjoy the film, but it there were you can feel the age. There are certain parts where you can feel the age of it. But what one small thing I really liked is whenever Batman hits someone. <laughs> it gets a flash of white. 
I, I like yeah. that little effect. It's just you feel the the punch. It was it, they're the really cool sounding punch as well. Rather than you get you go earlier than that and you hear the sort of um, I always laugh at them. I think they're in the Batman eighty nine and stuff where it's more of a whap noise. Where it's yeah, like yeah. Uh, when someone hits someone, it's but yeah. that had a really satisfying. Yeah, punch to be fair, noise. some of the punches were really good. There's one. There's one distinct one that he punches it and then his face kind of goes in a bit and then he gets pushed back. That was a good. Punch. He dies like yeah, he's yeah. Oh yeah, it's mm. the one where he when he jumps off of the motorbike or something. He's like the guy's on the motorbike and he punches him off the bike. Yes. Oh, you, what you mean, young, young Bruce Wayne? Yeah, yeah. Was, when, was... when the girl's watching from the bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing I, I like about this animation is it's sort of it leans into sort of like you know I, I also consider this sort of uh, they took things from what I think Japan was doing. They sort of looked at Japan versus sort of American animation. And were like, why is it theirs is better than ours? <laughs> and and they learned from it. And I, I do feel there's a, I always feel because of the designs as well, like. Everyone's quite blocky, mm. <clears throat> you know. It's very, I, I just love the everything feels quite meaty in this. Like you know, mm. everyone's sort of like barrel chested and sort of like you know. That was like uh, a giant triangle, isn't he? His, his shoulders are gigantic. Yeah. They're like wider than it's like anything. Johnny Bravo. You said yeah, exactly. it was like Johnny Bravo animation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it is. Um, I, I agree with you there as well. I, I also I do really like the when Batman's got his cloak on and it's just basically just the black rectangle and nothing else. And I like that the darkness you get shines of blue. Mm. Is when you can see things in the dark. I, I like that. I did like the look and the feel of it. Yeah, it was a, it was nice. You could feel it was nineties, but as you say, with the the sort of um, the influence, because I've I've seen not a huge huge amount of anime, but I've seen a fair amount, and there were certain characters' faces, but I think more so in the flashbacks. And what's yeah. that guy? The, it was the monsters. The, dou- the douchebag guy who was the trying guy to with get this, with Andrea. The greasy hair. Beaumont. The one that was the one that worked that worked for Mr. Beaumont. Yeah, him. Mm. He he was the one. He looked quite anime-ish his, his sort of face reminded me of yeah that. I was gonna say features and everything yeah they can definitely tell there was some inspiration one of the things from the animation that's interesting is uh, up until this point all animation paintings and drawings and backgrounds were all done on a white background so you started with white paper and built it from there mm. Batman the animated series was all animated on black oh <clears throat> so they start with black and then they add color and context and lighting to that so mm. that's where you get this very distinctive uh, look and feel um, and one of the things they tried to do is when they did the Superman series, so the Bruce Tim verse expanded, like that was then went back to the white mm. uh, animated back because it looks lighter, it's brighter because that's Metropolis. And then whenever they reintroduced Gotham, they'd, they'd go back to this style. Wow. Um, so that's where you get like a chalkiness to it as well. So it sort of has that sort of pastel sort of a chalkiness sort of to the, to the dark and stuff. So yeah. Mm. Um, but I, I like what you're saying as well about the, 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 say the dark character. I mean, there's a scene in this which, when you think about it, it's a little silly, but I like it, um, is when he first dons the cape and cowl. Mm. Uh, and Alfred's reaction... Oh, yeah. It's a bit like, you, know, you, would, you probably wouldn't react like that, but... It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like the fact that they give it that thing of, like, actually he's found like you know he's become the batman um and that sort of thing but you, you've obviously yeah. met in the previous of michael go and we'll go back to michael go as alfred um and then we had i forget the guy's name but the tall sort of mustachio dude from the 60s what were your thoughts about this version of alfred um alfred just wants him to find love he just wants him to be happy yeah <laughs> i think he's a good alfred he, he matches because the alfred i find that most of the Alfreds that I've seen do marry up quite well 
Um, yeah. There's because I've seen five seasons of Gotham as well. Um, so there's that. There's the Michael Caine Batman from uh, the Nolan verse, and then also there's you do I I do also like the the Justice League and Batman vs Superman, but uh, Alfred as well. They they're all slightly different iterations, but I feel like that they're, they're much. There's not really a bad Alfred in my view that I've seen. I mm. think this one is a really good one. I liked it when it, uh, there's little clever things I like in animation to show time. And I like how, when it was a flashback, Alfred just had black hair. And when yes. it was a non current time, he specifically mm. had white hair. I did like that. And the, the little comedic moment where he walks in with him, and <laughs> Andrea with the with tray, the tray <laughs> and they're making out and then he just backs out. <laughs> yeah. It does it again. Like the, Both times. Yeah. I think that. Yeah. Did you think it, about I, Alfred I, as well? He was all right. <laughs> <laughs> he was, right I, I, I actually like this I think again, there's a sort of a sardonic humour to this sort of Alfred, and it plays out quite well. I mean, there's a bit when they're talking about the, um, the his first encounter, the first reportings of, of the phantasm, and he says like, "Oh, this guy's you know, uh, this guy's clearly out for something. He's clearly crazy or something like that." And Alfred's like, "Of course, sir. I shall go wash your tights and cape." <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Like, like, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, all right. Well, you're clearly all there. Um, <laughs> And yeah, so I do like the fact he's sort of he's able to prod and put, they've got like a relationship that's clearly sort of um, yeah very comfortable, very secure. It's like sort of like almost like father and son. But he's able to poke fun at Bruce um, in in that way, which I think is quite cool. And I think um, that Alfred does it in the the, the four uh, sort of Burton verse films as well. He's got that sort of like I don't think that from what I can recall, I'm pretty certain Michael Caine is almost more of a an emotional. Uh, Alfred, yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's more of an emotional one, whereas the the the, uh, the one from the Burton verse and this one are both, yeah, the sort of making sort of fun of it, kind of being. He's like, you know, Bruce is doing this really silly thing, but it's what he wants to do, and it yeah. kind of makes sense. So I have to just go along with it, but I'm not going to not be sassy. You know, is yeah. that sort of? <laughs> I love that sassy. <laughs> That's exactly what he is. It is. It's almost like he's sort of accepted his lot, hasn't he? He's like, well, it's clear that Bruce is nuts. But it's in a good way. So I'm going to have to let it die for now. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about having the sort of the, the parallel storylines? Because it's, 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 again, like, this came out in 93. It's, it was never touted as a big animated film. It was just a sort of, oh, we're doing this. But I, I, find, I always think that like, the storytelling in this is actually relatively sophisticated for a kid's anime, you know, cartoon that they were going to stick in the cinemas. <clears throat> this idea of that lost love and, and the the idea of um, you know the the grief uh, from both parties, um, but then also like they say, in all those flashbacks that we get of like Bruce starting out as Batman and like that first time when he goes out in just the balaclava and you know tells them all to lie down and everything, and they're like, no. Do <laughs> 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 you? I don't know, Mike. Uh, no, I was gonna. Uh, I don't. Oh, no, obviously, because we both got headphones, so we can't hear each other. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, I was gonna say with it as well is the. F I did like the flashbacks and things uh, and the flash forwards and whatnot. And I found that one of the things I liked most about this is it's probably it might be the most vulnerable Batman that I've seen. And there's one line that he says specifically, and it's um, it's I didn't count on being happy. I think yeah. it is. And it's when he's at their grave, like basically crying because he didn't, he doesn't want to not stop this thing it's he's promised. In a term, isn't it, of 
trying to be Batman or trying to like find love essentially. Yeah, and it's you don't quite get that in Dark Knight. I find you get that to a degree, and I think in the Burton verse they don't do romance very well in any of the films. Uh, if I'm honest, it's just all very. <laughs> the women are quite bland, except Catwoman who's completely nuts, and then it's just a bit. I mean, wishy, all of the women are nuts, to be fair. Well, yeah, the, yeah. It, true. But whereas in this is. I, I didn't hugely love uh, Andrea Beaumont, but I didn't hate her. But regardless of how I felt about her, how Bruce was quite vulnerable, it, it was mm. quite because it's something that I think. If am I right in thinking in the comics and stuff, they tackle it a bit a bit more so his sort of isolation in a bit more. They have done. I mean, bits and pieces. Like it's it's one of those things that's come up, and they'll try and tackle it, and then it's sort of, it's sort of fallen apart a little bit in the last. Tw- 15 so years because he's got so many sidekicks yeah the you know, bat family he's like yeah yeah basically they're like he's like, i'm a lone man i brood and i stay alone and they're like apart from nightwing uh, and batgirl and uh, the four other robins i've got kicking about and these people and you're like <laughs> you're not really alone anymore you're not this lone vigilante anymore are you it doesn't work mm. but um uh, th- this thing of sort of trying to deal with um lost love or or, or balancing becoming Bruce and, and Batman um, has been tackled a couple of times. Weirdly, th- there was a story that uh, Kevin Smith did. Um, he was going to do like a trilogy <clears throat> and it never got finished. Um, but he did it. There was a car- character called Onomatopoeia. So every yeah. time he did something, he said the, so- the sound of it, which was, was quite cool <laughs> in comics. Um, he figures out who Bra- Batman is and he starts to date a woman called Silver Sinclair. And Onomatopoeia kills her in front of Bruce. And he is like, on that verge of giving up being Batman, similar to this. Um, and then it's sort of like she gets murdered. And it's sort of like, you know, is that going to re- like push him to that next level? Um, and it was never resolved. <clears throat> so they have sort of touched on it. But I, I feel this film seems to do it weirdly, like more satisfyingly mm. um, than, than Streaming Tackle in the comics. Because in the comics, they sort of... As you said with this film, they seem to be quite happy to go. Well, we have got Batman villains, or there's going to be one, but we're going to put them in the back a little bit for the finale. But we're going to deal with all this sort of like emotional stuff uh, up front. And you sort of so was it, you know was it what was I ten, eleven in, in this, when this came out? I'm sort of like, I was like you, Megan. I was like, are we, are we going to see? to be fair i i did find like i i liked the flashbacks and i liked seeing a different side to batman but because Mm. i am still fairly new to batman i did find this film a bit confusing because i haven't seen any really i haven't seen any of the animated series so it kept going back in time and it kept showing me new characters and i was like i literally don't know who any of these people are because where it's animation as well it makes it even harder to distinguish who they are because it's animation whereas if Mm. it's a person i can obviously clearly see that their face is completely different well you also then you've got that kind of part in the back of your mind a little bit because you did it when we were watching um some of the star wars films where you go oh you ask a question you're like am i meant to know the answer to this in what I'm watching or is I meant to know the answer to this because of other stuff in a yes. way and and it's that sort of thing and a lot of the time I was saying I don't think you need to know who this person or this person specifically is it's just they're there kind of for the sake that they're there from this thing there's not anything else to them in yeah. some ways but there, there is that, bits in this film where I think the floor of the animation is exactly as you say they sort of show things and it's like that's supposed to be a younger version of a character you've met and you're sort of going are you sure like <laughs> all right 
I'll just take that as, a, as you're saying that. Um, the, the, the one I think that comes up in this film, though, that's quite clear is that if you haven't seen the animated series, like you don't have to have seen it, but it helps, is when you, you see the, the driver or the gangster, whoever you want to call, whatever he is, <clears throat> that works for the mob that clearly becomes um, the, the Joker. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Because yeah. that's something else that I find confusing with Batman is that there's so many different. Because there's one like I mean the the Joker film that we watched before with Joaquin Phoenix. No, the one that was this. Oh, oh, you, the Batman. Jack Jack Nicholson, Nicholson one. Yeah. So his origin story is completely different to the origin story of this Joker, which I find really confusing and stressful because. Why are there so many different origin stories when they're the same character? <laughs> okay, so th- th- technically, there is no origin story for the Joker. There's been multiple stories that have alluded to one. There's even one recently called Three Jokers, where you found out that the Joker wasn't one person, but three. Right. <clears throat> which was all right. Um, but there's a story that came out in 1989 called The Killing Joke. Um, I read yeah. This is one I've read recently. Oh, you right, may have okay. seen me. I did uh, the review of Max. For okay. it. Yeah. And it, it was written by a guy called Alan Moore. And it's a sort of a prestige single book, about 46, 47 pages long. And in that is a story of this sort of like, a bit like the Whacking Phoenix film. Like he's a, you know, a failed comedian. He's, he's a bit of a wimp. He's a, you know, a terrible husband and all this other stuff. And he gets pulled into this sort of mob world. Uh, and then when they try to break into Ace Chemicals for, for the, I think it's for like a payroll or something ends up getting dunked in these chemicals and comes out bleached and, and crazy and becomes the Joker. But even with that, like it's told in a way that you can go, well, that could be his origin, but it's still full of holes. Like it doesn't seem to marry up to these other bits. So is it? Um, and so in the, in the actual story, the Joker actually has a line where he says, um, you know, yeah, I've, you know, you're saying these things and sometimes I remember it this way. And sometimes I remember it this other way. He's like, if I'm going to have a past, I want it to be multiple choice. And so it's always okay. been that way that like you can read that he was a gangster or you can read that he was this failed comedian or you can read that he was this other thing. And it's very much like, um, as we will get into with The Dark Knight, that Heath Ledger Joker, <clears throat> where every time he faces up to people and tells them where his scars came from on his face, each story is different. Right, okay, yeah. And that's the idea. It's like you never really know where he's come from, but you know, he, he probably does. Um, so yeah, so the, the, you'll never get like a definitive origin for the Joker. Um but like you say in, in this he's supposed to have like a distinctive look. You know, like he has a distinctive the way he's drawn and animated is very distinctive. So that first time you see him sat in the car, if you've seen the animated series, you're supposed to go, Ooh, ooh, that's I know that. I know who that is. If you've not seen it at all, you'd be like, why are they lingering on this one character? Because <laughs> there's also a bit where Batman just draws oh. a, like an orange grin on the gangster's face. And he's like, aha! And yeah. I'm like, I was like, well, who, who's that meant to be? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I was like, I don't understand what this is. <laughs> and then, it, then the next scene came out and you see his big nose. And you're like, wait a minute, I think it's the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> That was like Batman 66 levels of deduction, though. That yeah. is like, I've drawn some pen on this photograph and it clearly now <laughs> cleans up everything. I was like, oh. You have to remember this was for kids. And that's the thing you sort of like, you know. Um, although, um, it, it, the other thing I'd say about, you say, we say about Batman's deduction, like they highlight in this, that she even calls him the, the world's greatest detective. 
Um, yet the Joker, well, he the Joker knows information Batman doesn't, but he figures out who the Phantasm is before Batman does. Yeah, yeah. Because um, Batman thinks it's her dad, and then obviously the Joker knows that he went and killed um, her dad. <clears throat> so um, yeah, so not really the world's greatest detective, because at no point does he ever stop and go, "Where is your dad?" By the way, like, I get, he, you know, is he running around as a Phantasm? Can we not just go talk to him? Like, you must be somewhere. <laughs> Um, so, yeah. I mean, I do. I, I did also quite like the the fight scene things with Joker towards the end, where he gets punched in the face and there's actual blood and his teeth get knocked out. I was like, whoa, that's like. Oh, yeah, he's got did, one big yeah. gap tooth, hasn't he? Yeah, I liked that, but uh, there is one thing that kind of did make me think, and it's that I know it's because it's a cartoon for kids and stuff, but it's always that oh, Joker's this maniacal guy. He's killing all these people, this sort of darkness, and he's like, "There's a bomb about to go off." in five minutes' time. And it's like, okay. Because yeah. he has to get out of there, Mike, obviously. He just runs and immediately just... He's out of there in about 20 seconds. And it's like, for God's sake. It's, I know it is... It's in it all is the, the it's, they, they do it in every film, well, though, don't problem, they? They it? do it all the time. They're always like, oh, there's a baddie, and the baddie is going to explain the plan for an excessive amount of time, which means that the, the protagonist has time to figure out how to get rid of the antagonist, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and it's, it's always what, the same thing. It's one of the reasons I I'm not a big fan. This might be sacrilege, and I'm sorry, but I don't really like 007 films very much, especially uh, the older ones, because they're all, relatively speaking, very, very similar plot lines. And it's like... Oh, yeah, yeah. When people like them, that's completely fine. But generally, there's only five different real, of the old, at least, James Bond films oh, like no, that. No, I completely it's just, agree. It's yeah. that sort of thing. And it's well, like, that's how I felt about this. Just with the, the irony of the Bond film is they address that problem in the third film with Goldfinger. When they act like Goldfinger, uh, Bond keeps trying to make Goldfinger talk. And he says, even says to him, do you expect me to, uh, you know, to talk? No. He says, no, I expect you to die. That's it. Done. Like, he's not going to manage to sort of give his plan away to Bond. And then the rest of the films do exactly that. And you sort of go, like, from a meta point of view, like, you've addressed this like three films ago. Stop doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing I would say is this though is they don't defuse the bomb <clears throat> you know that's the mm. thing so there's none of that sort of like with one second to go like Batman pulls the plug like no they yeah. let it go um, the, the other thing I like about the, the fight though is when it's almost like two kaiju like you know like almost like Power Rangers style when they're in the model city and Batman yeah. and <laughs> oh, yeah. are fighting through it I think that's so cool um, and Joker sort of riding that little uh, the electronic train. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that bit. <laughs> yeah. And he punches those. Uh, Batman's like punching those little uh, helicopters. Yeah, I like those things. Planes. I thought they were cool because I was like, they would actually proper slice you. Like if my they... right, my mm -hmm. thing with those helicopter planes though is, how did they know specifically to target Batman? <laughs> Because no, they they were specifically going for Batman. Maybe yeah. some goons <laughs> with remote controls hidden in high or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. These are the questions we're never supposed to ask of uh, <laughs> animated films. But you're right because there's points where you just go, "I'll just step out of the way." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ooh, well, the, the, there you go. I, I remember Megan you saying uh, when we were watching this film, one of the big questions you were saying was like, "How she got the power to all the smoke?" Yeah. Stuff? Why? How, how can she just disappear into thin air? No, yeah, because yeah, yeah. she does the smoke thing and Mike was like well she's got a smoke thing and I'm like yeah I understand that but that allows her to escape it doesn't mean that she can disappear into thin air because yeah. she she disappears with someone as well Joker is it the Joker yeah she disappears with him and they suddenly just disappear and I'm just like how how do you have this ability I don't understand how you've got this magic power to make yourself apparate like it's not mm -hmm. Harry Potter because I, I, <laughs> I thought with the smoke I was like 
when initially I was like, okay, well, she kind of said that her dad was rich in some way uh, that she kind of had, they had investments or something like that to keep them going. And I thought, well, you know, if you had that kind of time developing a suit that sprays out smoke, that wouldn't be too hard. And then after I gave that explanation, she disappeared. And then Megan was like, well, how'd she do that? I was like, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Even before I, that, there's, there's a fight scene in the graveyard where she's, she uses the smoke and someone throws like a spear, like a broken shovel at her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it seems to go through her. Yeah, and then the... I'm, I'm the same. I was like, even then, I was like, how, how's she done that? <laughs> like, that's when she's getting chased by the two, like, henchmen. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I kind of the way I I kind of made that make sense in my head, even though it is a bit silly. As I was thinking, she looks to have that giant frame of like her dad slash Batman, and she's obviously very small. So I thought maybe when they throw at her, she kind of just because they were aiming at this space mm. really wide, and she, her body's more like that. Yeah, but she's wearing she's a massive like outfit. Well, you'd think it would get caught in the the cape or something, maybe I suppose. But <laughs> I'm, I'm interested how she carried it. Yeah. That, that sort of mask thing and the giant <laughs> shoulders and also managing to run across rooftops with ease yeah. in basically... Yeah. And you and see Batman hug cars. her. Yeah. yeah. You see yeah. Batman hug her and she, he's like oh, gigantic. He is better. massive. It's like yeah. Shrug, uh, Shrek hugging human Fiona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's gigantic in size. It is. I mean, it's quite clever that they, they make sure that the suit is black and the cape is black for the phantasm. Yeah. So they're, like, they're trying to hide that uh, body shape. But there are mm. definite times, in, in, if you were to go frame by frame in this film, and I'm never going to do that, but if you were to, <laughs> I, I'm sure that you'd pull out a frame and you go, Phantasm's got a male body at this point. Like, the cape's <laughs> up and there's a definite, you know, bo- yeah. Batman body frame in there. Um, but I'm, I'm quite fine with that, you know. it's Yeah, it's, it's cartoon it, it helps. makes sense. It helps because yeah. it's a cartoon, I think. You've got that degree of suspension of disbelief. Like, there's certain parts where people jump out of windows yeah. and they land and you're like, I know we looked at each other a couple of times when that happened. It's like okay, like it was like it's a cartoon. In, in cartoons, jump physics almost never make. Was any... that the film, the one where the car went from one building to the other building? Oh or yeah, was... they get a bit fast and yeah. furious. Oh, yeah. yeah, so yeah, yeah, that was yeah. yeah. yeah there are those moments where I think it, stuff like that does work better in cartoons than yeah. it does in because I was in real in, uh, live action. You watch someone jump out of a building and land really far down, which I'll address in Batman and Robin. And you're like, how <laughs> yeah. on earth did that even occur? But I th- as it, it's one of those things in cartoons, it does, co- it does sort of work in that way. And I thought it, it was still a fun film. It was a fun ride. I'm glad it was only an hour 15 though, because there, mm. there were moments, as kind of Megan alluded to, was said earlier, it was like, rap, like it could have sped up a little bit. If, if I'd have kind of, you go and watch the Batman film and you think it's going to be quite actiony to some degree. And although the plot was really interesting, yeah, the first half was like... Yeah, also Batman's a bit of a creep in this movie as well. Like there's that whole scene where they're out at dinner and he's just sat on the rooftop watching Reading them lips. And re- yeah, reading their lips. <laughs> and also how do they, there's a scene, well, not a scene, but like a, a shot where they're eating the dinner and then you can literally see Batman as clear as day just <laughs> watching them. <laughs> and Mike was like, how are they not seeing that he's there? He's very clearly there. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's, not being, he's not being stealthy at this point. No, no, no. He's literally just glaring at them. So from here, we've got a window there. You can see like dog is quite far away, like easy. As soon as the movement happens, you just look over there and you see Batman in that shot and you're like, he's not that far. And he's, yeah. he's like, all the background is like this beige and he's wearing complete black against, <laughs> he couldn't stand out more. And then they talk to each other and she's like, oh, so you've bugged my phone now. And he was like, no, I can read lips. I was like, that's even creepier. Yeah. I would rather you have bugged her phone. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been better if he did just gone, uh... 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I did. That's what I did. Makes more sense. Um, <laughs> or even if it had gone, yeah, that, that would have been easier, wouldn't it? Yeah. Think about that. <laughs> no, it just followed you around in the rain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was chucking it down, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe that's, that's the a, explanation. Well, it always rains in Gotham. That's the thing as well. This thing, it always rains in Gotham for the most part. Uh, the, the one thing is, though, I, I don't know, I wanted to ask you, Megan, if... The, the, uh, it's, I mean, it's a 93, it's a kids' film, it's a Batman film, but the instant as- assumption that it's her dad, who is clearly like, a lot older than them 15 years ago, um, is that the phantasm? So he's like still 15, 15 years older than Batman, doing all this stuff, jumping over cars, killing these mobsters. And it's, go- it's Batman's going, well, it's clearly this old man rather than the young, uh, <laughs> athletic looking woman that I'm seeing every day. Like, he's not, you know, I don't know, it just felt to me, I was like, wow, he's not a great detective, and he's a bit of a misogynist, if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I thought it was the dad as well, and I was like, Mike, I've sussed it, it's the dad, (laughs) and then... And then it wasn't. I was like, I'm an idiot. I think just went, as soon as it got revealed to be her, Megan went, oh. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay. It's not the dad. So you're you're misogynist. I'm also misogynist. He was being a womanizer, though, in this film a bit, wasn't he? At points. Oh, yeah. There Bruce. was the bit where he yeah. was at the party and there was like that. Too uh, the one that I compared to Jessica Rabbit, she had like blonde hair that was like covering her face. Um, yeah, he had like women around his. Yeah, mm. well, that that that's his face. That's the fake Bruce Wayne, isn't it? That sort of like so people don't suspect he's Batman because they're like, well, he's a drunk and a playboy, so he can't really be Batman. Um, but there's a great reaction because he obviously goes into a side room, doesn't he, to get like a to wash some or wipe some drink off his face and stuff. And he has a flashback at that point. But then when the flashback ends and Alfred comes in and one of the women sort of is I don't know if he says like Betty something's in the fish tank. And you just hear this voice going, Bruce. And he's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> How do I have to keep this up? Ugh. So, yeah. I, I wanted to add with uh, something you mentioned earlier with the raining thing. I did, I loved the rain uh, animation. I thought that when, especially when Bruce was at his mum's grave, a parent's grave, and he see, you see the water running down. Yeah. And the, you just, because it, it rained quite a lot in this film, they did it really well. I think the effect when it's just sort of padding the city, you've got, and got that layer of rain, but also when it's done sort of a close up of either Bruce or anything like that, I, th- I thought the rain effects were really precise. Like you could see the effort mm-hmm. that went into doing each individual sort of drop in a way. Yeah. Oh, I think the, I think the animation this is great. I love it. I mean, mm. it's like I say, it's got a real texture and like physicality to it, which are, and this is the thing I miss. I miss two D animation, like you know, this sort of like cell drawn animation, and um, you know, I, I don't know, it just sort of has a sort of a a nostalgia for me that you know I think yeah, it just looks really cool. Like there are mm. there are f- frames in this film that I'm like I'd have that hanging on my wall. Like it just yeah. looks awesome. Um, the other thing I'll say is, as is well, is uh, one of the unsung heroes of the Bruce Tim animated era is, is a woman called Shirley Jackson. Not Shirley Jackson. Uh, Shirley Walker. Sorry. Shirley Walker. She did all the music. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and so she did all the music for the, the animated series to begin with. Uh, and I've got like a full CD set of all the sort of like her musical cues and all the other stuff. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, but she was basically given... Um, the Danny Elfman score and was like we want something a little bit like this to continue that sort of feel and she took it and just grew it and um, I mean the opening score for the opening the title music for this is a little bit overly operatic I think (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
but uh, it also has some of my favourite musical cues for the Joker. Like there's some sort of nice little nods and little bits and pieces. So I just think the music's really good. And she did a great, great job in the series, like three seasons or whatever that she did. Um, it's really cool. So I don't know if you've got any, mm. any thoughts on it because it sort of falls into the background a little bit. But um, especially when, especially for me, like I love music, but like especially. Um scores and stuff but for me because it's the first time that i'm watching it i focus more on everything that's going on as opposed to like the extra stuff mm. which is a shame because normally the music has such a big impact that you don't even realize it when you're first when, when you're watching it the first time anyway you don't realize the true impact of what the music's actually doing mm. Mm. yeah because i was i was gonna say the main reason I, dropping the notepad, um, I thought that the main reason that i was i, I couldn't i couldn't tell you like pick out a specific song and I remember how it goes but I do specifically remember certain points and the music being very heavy in the mm. right ways emotionally I think a lot of the emotional impact like when he's uh, on his uh, parents grave once again and you, the, the rain's going and you can hear the sound of the rain along with the music playing with it and as you say when the Joker comes into it it goes up again and it's I found it the music goes with the theme of everything very smoothly I found mm-hmm. that it, it, there was never a, in in some of the Burton vs. Batman films, there's been the odd time where some music plays and it's a tiny bit jarring. And it's like, oh, yes. okay. that, the, like the change happens. And I didn't find that with this one at all. It was all very, I think, somber in, in, in the right it ways. Is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you do, if you do want to check out um, some of her music, and if you do like, the, if you do like scores, like she's very, mm. very good. It's all on YouTube and stuff. You can find a lot of it on there. But um, the, 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 the opening to this is obviously was made for the film. But the, the animated series has a very specific um, intro, you know, sort of like title sequence. And it's what was actually the title sequence was almost the demo reel. Was actually, it was. It was the demo reel that was created to prove that this animation style would work and to give mm. you a tone for the show. And they were like, that's brilliant. Make that the opening credits. <laughs> um, and so the music on that is, sort of, is really cool. But there's a, what do they call it when they put like um, bits of music and it all comes together and it's sort of like the... Um, Reprise almost, yeah, that sort of. Oh, it's when they do it in Les Misérables, you know. If it's if it's bits of music throughout the entire thing, some a reprise is when they do a second version of it. Yeah, but they do it a lot in musicals where they get bits of everything and they put it in one big song together. That sort of thing. It's sort of on the YouTube. There's this thing. It's about five six minutes long, but it's like snippets of all the different types of music. So it starts with the intro and goes through sort of the Batman theme, and then you get the Joker theme and those other bits. But her music is great. It's, it's she's really really cool. Mm, um, so I do that. recommend checking that out. So, any final thoughts then on Batman: Mask of the Phantasm? Um, I'd say it, it's actually quite a good. I, I would say it's it's quite good for. To get an adult into the animated series, mm. I'd say I think I think if I showed this to a ten or twelve year old version of me, I'm not sure how hooked I would be due to the amount of emotional stuff in it, which for me now makes really good story. Because it's quite deep, I think, for a, yeah. for a kid. It's <laughs> like you say, Scott, when you watched it when you were young, and it was just like, oh, okay, the first you know half an hour of this or twenty minutes is basically Bruce being really depressed about his parents dying, and he's <laughs> an adult, and it's like when when you're a kid when you see adults sad about certain things, you kind of get it, but you, with parents dying, that's not something that I would find is in media very often, especially not like when I was a kid, I never really saw any content that mentions that sort of thing very often. It's normally mm. like grandma dying or someone really, really, really old, like in yeah. uh, Coco and things like that. But I, I feel like for adults who want that sort of 
want a, a good Batman show or, or want something uh, with, want something new almost, but hasn't seen this yet. I think any Batman fans, it would be really good to use this and go, look, if you like the style, it's a really good showcase of the kind of things you can expect in the show. So yeah. I'd say that's, although that may have not been the target audience then, I feel like now the way it's aged, I feel like it would be really good for that. Yeah, that's sounds good. Megan, anything else you want to add? Yeah, uh, I liked it. Oh, there's, <laughs> um, there's one thing I noticed, which is there's randomly fencing swords in the Batcave. And I was, I, I noticed there were fencing swords in the Batcave for a whole shot, and Alfred's putting a sword on. Meaningless. Doesn't mean anything. No, yeah. it, was just, it just threw me off a little bit. I was like, well, uh, also, has Andrea Beaumont, was she created, and the Phantasm, were they created for this, or have they been in yes. other stuff? So the Phantasm, and it's, the Phantasm has come back since. So the, the Phantasm sort of entered the comics quite recently, actually. Um, and, the, and they've done some of the bits around it. But it's sort of based on, uh, loose, very, very loosely based on a uh, comic that came out in the mid-80s by, I think the guy's name now, who wrote The Crow. Um, oh, yes. Film, yeah. The original comic. James okay. O'Barr, is it? James mm-hmm. O'Barr, I think. I couldn't tell you his name. Um, and it's called Batman Year Two. Oh, it's a sequel uh, to Year One, then I presume. Yes, yeah, yeah, and in it, sort of like he tries to tra- track down Joe Chill, the person who killed his parents, and a character comes into it called the Reaper, and mm-hmm. he sort of wears a big red outfit, but he's got the same thing on his arm, you know, with the like the, the metal butt thing with a claw on it and stuff like that. So the Phantasm was very much sort of a take on the the Reaper uh, as a character. So they sort of brought it in, but that has a very different. The person in the costume is very, very different. So yeah, they had mm. it. Just, just a thing to say about the the animated series because it sort of gets it will have an impact again. Up until this point, a lot of the characters didn't really have an origin, mm. uh, as in like villains. Villains didn't really have an origin, uh, and it was around this time that they started to give them an origin. <clears throat> and you know, you say about the jo- the Joker gets multiple. Um, <laughs> But one of the characters that's going to come up again is, is Mr. Freeze, or Dr. Freeze. And uh, originally, Dr. Freeze was just a baddie who was just cold. That was his thing. You know, that was just it. It was no, there was no, it was, <laughs> it, there was a version of him in the, the 1966 um, uh, anim, uh, show who was less puntastic than Arnie's going to be, but that was his thing. It was just, um, he's cold and he uses ice and that's it. The animated series brought in the whole thing with his wife. Oh, okay. So the, there's an episode called Heart of Ice, and it's it's really good. It's a really it, it won an Emmy. It was the first animated show to win an Emmy. Oh wow! Uh, it brings in this idea that that freeze everything he's doing is to try and um, create a cure for an illness that his wife has got. And so the, what made him Doctor Freeze was he create he created a cryogenics system. And it backfired and he got covered in the stuff that then made him uh, uh, Mr. Freeze. And it's a really sad episode because he's sort of like, you know, he's um, he eventually when you sort of see him locked away in Arkham, he's like, you know, well, who's going to watch out for his, his wife and all this other stuff. And it's, it's really, again, hits that emotional beat. And then they bring it into Batman and Robin later on and they do something shit with it, basically. Um, <laughs> so just so you know, whatever, well, we'll get to it in a minute. But I just wanted to, before we leave the animated series, that backstory for Dr. Mr. Freeze was good at one point. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to jump in right there. This is uh, of the retrospective part 2A. That's right. This is going to be the first part of our second part. So it's sort of 
part two, looking at the three films I mentioned before, but only the first part of that, mainly because our conversation went on for quite some time and there's some great things in there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to split this into two, and I think the next one, probably the Nolan trilogy, will also be split into two. So this has been released on the Tuesday. Don't usually do that, but don't worry, because you've only got to wait a day or two, because on Thursday... The next part will be coming out. And I'll be back with Mike and Megan to talk more Batman. So we will be back on the same Batman channel and all that kind of nonsense. But what I should say is I hope you're enjoying this retrospective. First big retrospective of the year that we have done. But if you want to get in contact, if you want to talk about more about what we've talked about, the, the first three Batman films, a bit of Batman 66, Batman 89 and Batman Returns. And of course now we've talked about Mask of the Phantasm. If you want to come and get in contact and talk about more, you can find me on Twitter and all the usual social medias looking for at 20th Century Geek. I can also be emailed directly at uh, 20th Century Geek at gmail.com. But don't forget, we also got a website. That's right, we have a website of all this kind of stuff, all the episodes, all the blogs, and other posts that we've ever done. That's 20thcenturygeek.com. Go on there and have a look at all the little goodies we've got nestled away. And if you want to support us, there are two key ways that you can do that. Three, really. The simplest one, of course, is if you've seen this on social media, uh, retweet it, share it, do what you've got to do, tell your friends about it, and they can all come and enjoy uh, the 20th century goodness. The other one, of course, is you can go onto your podcast catcher, wherever you listen to this podcast. Uh, please go on there and leave a review, whether you want to leave five stars or one star. I'm not bothered. Just please go on and leave a review. All feedback is good and welcome, and we appreciate it. But, of course, above and beyond all that, uh, if you really want to come and support the show uh, and other endeavours that we do, I have a Patreon. 20th Century Geek is on Patreon. So that's Patreon slash 20th Century Geek. Uh, for all the podcasting goodness on there, we do a monthly podcast, 30 Minute Thoughts, where I give my thoughts on a topic for 30 minutes, voted for by the Patreons. Uh, and then every quarter, four times a year, I get a creator on to come and talk about a project that they are working on, to give us more information about what they're working on, how they work on it, and all those little bits and pieces. It's absolutely fantastic. So go and check that out. Otherwise, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back in a couple of days.